We're ready. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome everyone here this morning. Beautiful morning. Beautiful morning. If you're visiting with us, we're certainly glad to have you, and uh, we ask you, and in the back of the pews, we have visitor cards. We'd love for you to fill one out, put it in the collection plate or in the black box there in the, by the double doors in the, in the middle here. Also, uh, it's good to be March the 1st, springtime coming around and old man winter leaving and it's a beautiful time of year maybe not always outside but on the calendar <clears throat> excuse me on the calendar it's a it's a good time of year anyway I know people look forward to that good to see the people from CYC back with us I understand they had a good weekend and we're thankful that they had a safe trip also uh, men's retreat coming up in two weeks uh, we have a sign up sheet out on the board and, and we would love for you to sign up so we can get a count uh, who's gonna be there and know how much food to get and uh, prepare for that. That is Friday the 15th, March 15th and 16th. Also, a week from today on Sunday evening, we're having a, uh, Life Group 2 is having a, a pie contest and it is not a pie eating contest, it's a, uh, we need people to come and taste pies, make pies, and somebody will get the reputation of the best pie maker, at least this time around anyway. Good to see Jerry and Nora back with us. Uh, they've been out of town for a few months. Always glad to see them back. And Also, uh, on a sad note, uh, Chad Judge's dad passed away. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before but he passed away unexpectedly and we want to keep that family in our prayers. And, uh, before we start our service this morning, I'd like to read from Philippians chapter four, verses 11 through 13. Philippians four, 11 through 13. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we do thank you for this beautiful morning that you've given us. And Father, for the health to, uh, to be here today with our brothers and sisters and, and uh, to worship you, Lord. And, and we pray, Father, that we always do that in a way that's pleasing to you. Father, we're mindful of those who aren't able to be here. And, and Father, there's, there's many in our, in our bulletin, Father, who are listed. And, and we just pray, God, that... Uh, that you'll help us to always think of them and to remember them in our prayers. And, and Father, those who were mentioned this morning in our classes, there are so many, Father, that different types of sicknesses, cancers and surgeries coming up and the loss of loved ones. And, and we pray especially, Father, for Chad Judge and, and his family, Father, at, at the loss of, of his dad. And we just pray that you'll bless and comfort them. And, 
way that only you can. Be with us this morning, Father, as we open uh, the Bible and, and we look at your words and help us, Father, to understand and help us to, to do what you would want us to do. Be with us, forgive us when we fall short. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand for the first song, please? First hymn this morning, number 870. I am happy today, 870. We'll sing all four verses. I'm happy today, oh yes, I'm happy today, Next hymn this morning, number 290, I Love Thy Kingdom, Lord, 290. After this hymn, Brother Mike Williams will have our scripture reading and prayer. I love thy kingdom, Lord, Yeah. 
go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you at this time, Father, thanking you so much for this, another day of life that you've blessed us with. We thank you, Father, for all the many blessings that you bestow upon us. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, and we thank you for your love, Father, and it was revealed to us through your son, Jesus. We thank you for him, for his life and his teachings and, and his death on the cross, Father. We thank you, Father, for the, the hope that we have because of that death and the reconciliation that we now have with you, Father. We thank you for being able to, to utter prayers to you, God, and know that you hear our prayers. And, and Father, we're just thankful for the, the church here at Rome. And we ask your blessings, Father, upon us this morning and that our worship will be pleasing to you, Father. That we'll empty our minds of earthly distractions and then place them solely upon you and, and give you the worship that you deserve. And, and Father, we are mindful of so many that are dealing with health issues, those that were mentioned in our class this morning, those that are listed in our bulletin. And we pray for each of them. We pray for healing for them and comfort. We pray for the Judge family at this time, with the passing of Chad's father, and be with them. And Father, we are thankful for answered prayers that we've seen recently. Thank you for the good report that Jimmy received and, and others, Father, that have been able to get back with us to worship. And we thank you for those answered prayers. And, and we ask that you'd be with our shut-ins, Father, those that would love to be here but are unable to. We ask that you would be with them this day and comfort them and strengthen them. And, and Father, we're just, again, thankful for, for all that you do. We pray for, for our community, Father, where we live and where we worship. We pray that we're able to, to be a light to our neighbors, to those that we come in contact with, that we can share the hope that we have, share your message, share the gospel with them. More can come to know you. And we pray that as a body, Father, that we're able to be strengthened spiritually this year, that we'll grow in knowledge, we'll grow in wisdom through your word, and we can take that to, and share with those around us. And we pray that we can grow numerically, Father, here, if that's your will. Father, forgive us when we do fall short and when we sin. And it's through Jesus we pray these things. Amen. The reading this morning comes from Genesis chapter 25. Verses 25 and 26. Genesis 25, verses 25 and 26. Now the first came forth red, all over like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came forth with his hand holding on to Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. Next hymn this morning, number 268, I Gave My Life for Thee. We'll sing the first three verses. I gave my life for thee, gave my life for thee, 
The Lord's Supper is observed strictly in accordance with the New, Test, uh, New Test, Testament pattern, which is the first century church standard. The Lord's Supper was instituted by Jesus and commanded by him to be observed by his followers. That was from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, 26 through 28, and Luke 22, 19 through 20. The apostles did as what Jesus commanded. They, they instruct Christians to do the same. Acts 2, verses 42. The Lord's Supper is observed on the first day of the week, every first day of the week, Acts 20, verse 7. The items are used in the Lord's Supper are the unleavened bread and uh, the fruit of the vine. That comes from Matthew 26, 17, Mark 14, 12, and Mark 14, 24 through 25. The bread of the supper represents the body of Jesus, and the fruit of the vine represents the blood of the new covenant of God. The New Testament does not say that either the bread or the fruit of the vine turn into the literal, literal body and blood of Jesus. Neither does it say that Jesus' body and blood are present in the elements. The bread and the fruit of the vine simply represents Jesus' body and blood. Jesus used these two physical items, bread and the fruit of the vine, to represent two spiritual truths about Christianity. These truths are that he gave his fleshly body and poured out his blood for man's salvation. When we partake of the supper, therefore, we remember Jesus. We proclaim that he died for us. And doing this, we examine ourselves. The Bible says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this day. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus, for his willingness to be a sacrifice on our behalf, Father. As we partake of the bread which represents his body, I pray that we do so in a worthy manner. It's through his name that we pray. Amen.
go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we continue our prayer of thankfulness, Father. We're thankful for the blood which cleanses us, Father. As we partake of the fruit of the vine, pray that we can reflect upon Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. It's his name that we pray. Amen. We now have the opportunity to give back a portion which God has so richly blessed us with. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful and thankful for all that you do for us. For all of our material things, Father. For our earthly families. For our spiritual families, Father. You have given us so much and we deserve so little. As we give back a portion... Father, I pray that you'll be with the elders as they disperse the funds. Pray that it'll help spread your gospel throughout this community, throughout this country, and throughout this world. Please be with us. Forgive us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
us all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 213. He gave me a song. <clears throat> He puts my burdens on a bed, but let us stand in the cloud. A wonderful cloud, a wonderful cloud that carries me in my soul. Please be seated. The invitation to him this morning, number 263. I am coming, Lord. 263. Brother Chris. Good morning. Make sure you return tonight for our evening services. Daniel Goshorn uh, will be uh, talking about uh, his, his work in uh, Peru. We had the opportunity to go down and visit Daniel and Audrey. Uh, this last uh, summer, and we're so impressed with him and his ministry there and the good work that they're doing in Juan Cayo. You need to hear about it. It's, it's good. It's inspirational, uh, and I think it will benefit you. Um, to, not, to this morning, we're talking about a guy I think you're going to like. Um, grab your Bibles and flip over to Genesis. We're going to cover uh, Jacob's life today, so we're not staying in one spot. Uh, we're going to flip around quite a bit. But um, his story obviously takes place in Genesis. 
if you struggled to like Abraham, if you struggle to, most of us like Abraham, right? But if you struggle to identify with Abraham, maybe you struggle to identify with Isaac too. Both these guys have some pretty impressive faith. You, you, you see them faltering. They're human, right? And so we see them struggling and, and doing a variety of things that um, harm them and prolong God's promises to these patriarchs. But overall, these guys, I mean, as you read through their, their lives in Scripture, you're kind of astounded by them. I am. Uh, you kind of think, well, I don't know that I could ever match up. I, I don't think I could ever be an Abraham or, or even an Isaac. Today you can be a Jacob. <laughs> Jacob's the guy that we identify with. Let me talk to you a little bit about him. We're going to quickly overview his life very quickly. Uh, I want to point out just one thing about, about Jacob's life. This guy tricked everybody in his life or was tricked by everybody in his life. I've got just a few examples on the screen behind me. Let's walk through some of these stories. Mike read for you Genesis 25, 25 and 26. It's the account of these twins' birth. Jacob and Esau, Esau are twins. Esau comes out first. It's his right to be to have the, the birthright, the blessing. He's going to be the leader of the family. The promise that God made through Abraham that passed on through Isaac will be Esau's, but God has different plans. It's interesting to me, you saw it in, in Mike's reading, if you were paying attention, it's easy to miss, but his name is, the first one's name is Esau, right? It means hairy, but Jacob's name means something too. Did you, did you go back through, or maybe your translations had it in the text there for you, his name means something. Do you know what it means? Supplanter, or trickster, something like that. Um, so from the very beginning, and they called him that because he's holding... Esau's heel when he comes out, right? So um, from the very beginning, Jacob is a trickster. He's a cheater. He, he's a cheater. In Genesis chapter 27, maybe is his most famous episode of cheating. He cheats Esau out of his birthright. Um, so <coughs> Esau's the firstborn. It's his duty, but it's also his, his, his right uh, to, to lead the family. Isaac's getting older. He's not going to die. Isaac's going to be alive. In fact, when Jacob comes back, he's going to be alive all the way until um, about Joseph's, uh, about the time Joseph rises in prominence in Egypt. That's about the time that, uh, that uh, Isaac's going to die. But when Jacob and Esau are, are young men, about 40 years old, they, uh, uh, they, they, Isaac thinks he's about to die or, or that he's getting close and he can't see very well. Uh, and so he brings in, announces that it's time for um, the, the blessing, the birthright to be, to be conferred upon Esau. And so Isaac and, and Rebekah, uh, Isaac's wife, hears about this and so she tells Jacob and and they hatch a plot, right? They're going to steal um, this, this, this blessing from, from Esau. So they, they dress Jacob up in, in goat's fur because Esau's a hairy guy, right? You remember the story? And he comes in and Isaac has some doubts. Uh, who's, who's, whose voice is that I hear? Because it sure sounds like Jacob, but you're saying you're Esau. And I'm feeling your skin. Man, you're hairy like Esau is. 
Let me feel your neck. Oh, your neck's hairy too. Who is this? The voice sounds like Jacob, but the smell, you smell like Esau. So he's a trickster, right? And he ends up cheating uh, Esau out of that, that right that was his. And now Jacob is the head of the family, but this infuriates, rightly so, right? That's understandable. Esau, he's ready to kill him. And so that word again gets back to Rebekah, their mom, and she sends, along with Isaac, Jacob back to her home place where she's from to find a wife is the ruse uh, that, uh, that they use there to get him away from Esau. But it ends up working. In Genesis chapter 29, uh, in fact, Jacob's going to have two wives. You understand, though, he's going to have about four. Um, but that's because Laban, Rebekah's uncle, Jacob's, what would that be to him? Uh, his, his uncle um, has tricked him. He worked seven years to marry, so he can marry Laban's youngest daughter, Rachel. But Laban is a bit of a trickster, a bit of a cheat himself. Things have a way of, of coming back on us. The way we live comes back on us, doesn't it? Paul says in Galatians, whatever one sows, that he also reaps. Jacob finds that out to be the case. Early on in his life, he's going to be a trickster, a cheater. He's going to fight and grab whatever he can. But then toward the end of his life, especially, well, really starting here in Genesis 29, he's going to be the one that's cheated. He's going to be the one that's tricked. He's going to be the one that's taken advantage of, and Laban's going to be the first one to do it to him. He worked seven years for uh, so he can marry Rachel, but Laban says, well, that's not how it's done here, and he tricks him and in, uh, ends up, Jacob ends up having to marry Leah, Laban's oldest daughter, and then he marries Rachel, and then he also, because the daughters, in some respects, take advantage of or cheat Jacob, he ends up marrying both their handmaidens as well. That provides all kinds of insanity and, and terrible situation for Jacob in his life. In fact, uh, the two sisters, Leah and Rachel, are constantly at odds throughout the biblical narrative, uh, constantly in competition with each other. And that's going to provide ample opportunity for them to cheat, to take advantage of Jacob. In fact, uh, in Genesis 30, uh, Leah's son, Reuben, is going to go out and find some mandrakes. Legend has it that mandrakes will make you fertile, more fertile. And so uh, Rachel buys those mandrakes from Leah. What she buys them with is a night for Leah with Jacob. So there again, she's been taken, or he, he's being taken advantage of. In Genesis chapter 31, I'm going through all this so you can see this train of thought, this line. I think God intends you to see this, this line. Starting in Genesis 25, he calls them a trickster, a cheater, a supplanter. But really that theme runs all throughout Joseph, uh, Jacob's life until the very end. I mean, the, one of the very last things he does is, is kind of a cheatery move when he blesses Joseph's sons, blessing the younger one first uh, and more than the older one. So <coughs> that's where we're going through all this, but there's a point coming. <laughs> in Genesis chapter 31, Laban again tries to trick uh, Jacob. He's not going to get away with it this time um, because God's got Jacob's back. Genesis 31, Jacob's, uh, he, he's kind of starting to look for an exit strategy. He wants to go back home. He's ready to go back to Esau, back to Canaan and mend fences because he knows that God's promised him that land. 
And so he's ready to go back. And so he's got to get these herds that he's accumulated over these last 14, 16 years or so uh, with Laban. He's got to get those herds that he's accumulated and get them going. So he makes a deal then that whatever uh, spot or whatever sheep or lamb that is spotted, he'll take them. Uh, and so Laban takes away all the spotted sheep uh, and lambs and goats. Uh, and Jacob, you can go back through and read the story yourself, you should. Uh, but he figures, out, he figures out a way, and God blesses him, and he's able to, to get those crops. Years pass. More tricks, more taking advantage of uh, Jacob. All, all that happens. Uh, but finally, maybe one of the most, one of the quintessential times when he's taken advantage of is, is with Joseph in Genesis 37, when 11, 10 of his sons tell him, lie to him, cheat him out of time with his favorite son, um, Joseph, by telling them that he's been killed when in reality they've thrown him uh, to uh, the Midianites and traded him into to slavery. Jacob tricked, he cheated, he took advantage of people. Why did he do that? Why do, why do we do that? Because we do this, don't we? We live an awful lot like Jacob. Why do we do that? I told you you're going to identify with him. I identify with him. We identify with, with Jacob, don't we? We've lived like this. Maybe not these exact things, but you see something you want and you take it, right? You see something you want and you want it, right? That's what James says in James chapter 4. You don't, uh, go back and read it. James chapter 4, because James says this exact thing. Uh, in James chapter 4, he points out this exact scenario. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? They're having the exact same problem that Jacob was having. He, he's always at odds with everybody around him, isn't he? Well, why? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You want something, but you don't have it. Somebody else does, and so you kill them and take it. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask, right? You, you don't have because you don't ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrong, wrongly to spend it on your passions. Ja Jacob was wanting something that he shouldn't have wanted, right? All these things, he, he was grabbing at this stuff. And we, we do this too, right? We grab at this stuff that we shouldn't want. That's what James says. To spend it on our passions. The word he uses there uh, is the word we get our word hedonism from. This, this, this drive for pleasure. This constant um, drive to, 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 to get mine. To do exactly what I want to do. To just be happy and never feel an ounce of pain. That's antithetical to the gospel. The gospel and this resistance to pain can't live together. Why? Because he demands, God demands, Jesus demands that we live lives of sacrifice. And that is the complete opposite of just getting mine, doing what I want, of fighting and clawing so I can get what I want. He says that's, that's not what the gospel is about. In fact, it's a life of sacrifice. It's the exact opposite of that. Jacob finally realized that. It took him an awful long time. But he finally realized it. Check it out in Genesis chapter 31. 
he has uh, invited his wives, at least two of them, Leah and Rachel, out to the pasture. They are looking at, he is looking at leaving, but he knows it's going to be a tough sell to Laban to get him to allow him to leave. And so he's trying to make sure that everyone's on the same page. He wants to make sure that Leah and Rachel and he are all on the same page. And so he's having a family meeting outside of earshot from Laban. He says this, <coughs> You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me, changed my wages ten times. I don't know if he's using hyperbole there. Maybe he's exaggerating. Maybe not. Laban is not a nice fellow. Um, and we know several occasions in which, and Jacob's going to enumerate them in just a second, when Laban cheats Jacob out of things. He may not be exaggerating here. His, his uncle and his father-in-law, same guy, may have cheated him literally ten times, but it may have been more than that. Um, because Laban's living under the same law that Jacob lived under previously. If I want it, I take it. And if I can't get it, I'm going to be sad until I do get it. And whatever it takes for me to get it is what I'm going to do. I fight and I quarrel because I don't have what I want. That's the law that Jacob lived under. It's also the law that Laban's living under. And Jacob um, fallen prey to it. Listen to what he says here, though. It's so interesting here. Uh, because Jacob's not who you think he is. This guy's not a pillar of faith. He's not, um, he's not an impressive guy. He, he's just like everybody else. He's like you and me, right? He, he's not um, someone who's just so reliant on God. He's not that guy. But he does say this uh, in, se in verse 7 here. But God did not permit him to harm me. He says, God's been watching over me. God's been watching out for me. And in fact, he's going to get there. He's going to get to this impressive faith where we all want to get to. He's not there yet. But he's going to get there. But he's, he, he's going to try to um, look for the times when God has given him what he's needed. We, we need to do that. We need to focus in on these, op these, these times when God has supplied what we needed. Jacob looks back across his history here. And he says, God's been for me every single time. I didn't always have what I wanted, you know? You ever been there? I didn't always have what I wanted. But looking back on it, I shouldn't have wanted that anyhow. You ever wanted something that was bad for you? Five months, five years down the line, you think, well, that was, <laughs> glad he didn't answer that prayer. Good gracious. <laughs> Where would I be now, you know? That was a bad thing for me, but I wanted it so bad. Jacob's looking back now over the last 20 years of his life thinking, God really was, he was working during that whole time. And, and he was, he's really for me. He, he was being good to me. Back then I thought, I, I need this thing, but God was saying no. And I was, if we can put words in Jacob's mouth a little bit, I was a little put out. I was a little frustrated with God. That's how we get, isn't it? I was a little frustrated. But looking back on it now, I see his hand was superintending all these things. And he was working for my good. He, he was being good to me. When you get that point, 
when you get to that point, when that, when that idea that God is good and that he, he superintends things um, for your benefit, that, that kind of changes everything, doesn't it? That he's in control. We all know that. That, that he's, uh, use the $10 word, he's, he's transcendent. He's sovereign. But what that basically means is that he's in, he's in charge. Which we understand, right? All the way up until something happens that scares us. Or something happens that's uncomfortable. Or something that happens that's new and pushes us a bit. And we think, ah, I don't know that that's good. Is he still in charge? Absolutely, right? Looking back on his life, Jacob finally saw, okay, God had me, God had me the whole time. In, in this big move, you ever moved? Maybe more than houses, you ever moved? different cities or a different state or to another new job. Jacob does all that stuff. He moves hundreds of miles away. You think that's not scary? It's scary. Drops everything and leaves and goes to literally a faraway country where he doesn't really know anybody and the people that are there want to take advantage of him. He doesn't have a friend here. Laban's not his friend. And if you think he's getting sage counsel at home between Leah and Rachel fighting all the time, you're wrong. He's struggling. And so how is all of this going to turn out to good? Well, looking back on it, he thinks, all those things that I wanted, I, I never really needed them. Had, had he waited, had he not put that, that goat's fur on his, on his neck and on his arms, would God have still figured out a way to give him leadership of the family? Yes. Unequivocally, yes. That was happening. God's already spoken on this matter. We know that he was going to push Esau aside and that he was going to bestow this on Jacob. Jacob supplanted God. He, he cheated God. He, he, he moved the timetable. We do that too, don't we? Because we want things that we shouldn't want. Well, things that are bad for us or things that, that, that could harm us or that hurt our faith, that take us away from him, make life more difficult. We, we want those things. But God's in the process of teaching us not to want those things, but to want the things that, that he's providing for us and to push us to trust him, to trust his timing, to wait on those things, to just do what's right, until he comes through for us. Had Jacob learned that lesson early on, a lot of the problems that he encounters later on in life would not have happened. It would have saved him an awful lot of heartache. You trust God. You wait on his timing. You stay in there and do the right things until what he wants for you comes about. Because you don't know what's good for you. Sometimes my kids will want something, and they want it so bad, right? Um, they just want it so bad. And, and Kelly and I will be like, well, it's not good for you. So I'm not going to say yes to that thing because it's bad for you. It, it, it hurts your spirituality. It takes off your, your focus. It could be bad 
physically for you. Like, I've got stories. Y'all don't need to hear them. Um, so, um, the, we, don't, we don't give our children things that could harm them, right? God does the exact same thing. We just need to trust in his, that he's good, that he provides these good things. Um, trust that uh, in his timing. Now, is he going to give you all the things you want? Go back and read Jacob's life. Did he prosper Jacob? Yeah, Jacob had some good things. Was Jacob cheated out and wounded for decades? Yeah, he was. I'm not saying God's going to give you all the things you want. You're not going to be driving a Ferrari or having a big house. I'm not going to say any of that stuff. I'm saying we wait on his timing and he'll give you what you need. It might not be what you want. You see the distinction? Jacob sure does. He had what he needed. There's an awful lot of things I think he wanted he didn't get. We've got to be smart enough to know the difference. So Jacob tricked until he learned that God provided. And after that, all bets are off. He, he's God's man from now on. Check, check out what happens in Genesis 33. Um, so here, Jacob has already reunited with Esau. They're buddies again, as, as much as twin brothers can be buddies. They, they're, they're, uh, the, the, they've reunified, right? Jake, Esau doesn't want to kill him anymore. Um, they're not going to live close to each other. Um, part of that could be because of the herds thing. Part of it could be the history thing. But <coughs> they've reunited, right? Um, and Jacob's now passing through Canaan. God's already told him that this is going to be your land. He told him that before he ever left in the first place, right? There's coming a day when you come back here, and I'm going to give you all this land. That's, that's what God said. And he's reiterating, of course, that promise that he made to Ab Abraham and that he made to Jacob's dad Isaac, and now he's passing it on to Jacob. This is your land, Jacob. You, you come back here, and I'm going to make your, your, your offspring like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. You're going to have lots and lots of descendants. And Jacob's starting to see some of that, but... When he, when he finally comes back to Canaan, um, there's, an, there's, a, there's an episode with an angel uh, where, where Jacob fights with this angel. Uh, and uh, it's, it's at that point, he, he kind of, right before that, he looks up and he sees that there's two camps. There's his camp and then there's uh, a whole camp of Somebody else, God's camp, an, uh, an angel's camp over there. And so there's two camps. And then he, he sends his family across the, the Jabbok River. And they're going to go over and, and start heading toward Esau and making, making amends with him. But Jacob stays on this side of the river. And that night he wrestles with an angel. Um, and so when he, um, when he refuses to let the angel go, and the day is breaking. He demands a blessing. Again, he's not perfect, right? This is one of those times where he wants something. He's just going to take it, right? This old, this old man doesn't die easy. This old man of sin that we're all struggling with, doesn't, he creeps back up every now and then, doesn't he? And I think he creeps up here with Jacob. Uh, so he demands this blessing. But what does the angel do? He, he gives it to him, doesn't he? he? He changes his name from supplanter to Israel. 
Now, now he's changed. Israel's a different guy now. He's, um, he's started this journey of faith with God. But check out what happens here um, in Genesis 33. So he, he's, he's pushing through the country and he's looking for a spot, like Abraham and Isaac before him. He's looking for a spot of safety where he can, where he can live and flourish. He finally finds one. But what I want you to see happens in verse 20. There he erected an altar, and he called it El Elohai Israel, God, the God of Israel. That's what he names this place. Why does he name it that? This is the first time Jacob owns his relationship with God. Before this point, every other time you hear him talking about Yahweh, it's Yahweh, the God of Abraham, or Yahweh, the fear of my dad, Isaac. He never once calls him his God, not until this point. So he tricked everybody in an effort to get his way, to get what he wanted, to fight and grab and, and, and get whatever the things that he wanted until he learned some of those things weren't worth having. And the ones that were worth having... God was going to give me anyhow. And so he learned to be patient and wait until finally he became God's man. Here finally he's owning his relationship with, with Yahweh. He, he's, he's, he's bought in. He's 100% in. He jumped in with both feet. He's in the deep end. He's God's man now. There's no turning back. He's all in. It's so interesting to follow Jacob's life as he, as he transforms into who he will be one day. Like we said, he, he doesn't ever, before this point in Genesis 33, and he lives a lot of life before Genesis 33, he doesn't ever own his relationship with God. God speaks to him, and he never owns that relationship. God blesses him, and he looks back on those, those years and says, yeah, God was blessing me there. But he never owns that relationship. He never reciprocates. He never leans into it until this point in Genesis 33 when he owns this relationship with Yahweh. Now I'm yours. I'm all in. Whatever you say, let's do it. And, and, and I'll deal with the consequences later. I'm happy to wait on your timing. I'm yours. Let's go. What's that mean for you? What's that mean for me? How, are you all in? Are, are you, is your relationship with Yahweh all in? Have, have you jumped in with both feet? Or are you kind of waiting in the short end? The short end of the pool, right? You ever, you ever got into a pool? Uh, maybe like in April or May or something, and it's a little cold, so you just kind of like step your foot in, and oh man, goodness, that's that's cold. And you kind of start wading your way in. It's tough to do that with faith. It's hard to do that with faith. You know why? Because about the time you get into the the the, the uncomfortable parts, you get about up to your ankle. What do you do? You do exactly spiritually what you do physically. You start pulling back. Don't you? That's what I do. 
when I'm in a pool, I start getting a little uncomfortable because it's so cold, I start pulling back. They do the exact same thing spiritually. When it gets a little hard, if I haven't made the decision to be all in, what do I do? I start pulling back a little bit. The decision is, am I God's or am I not? There's not an in-between there. We see that with attendance to services. We see that with, with generosity. We see that with how, how you trust, uh, how you wait, the, the, the good actions that, that you participate in. All these things are, are indicators of are, are you all in or not? Are you all in? Are you kind of waiting in the, the shallow end? Kind of waiting for something to push you out, to push you away, because that's what's going to happen. My encouragement today from Jacob's life is to jump all in, to trust him completely, to be his person, to wait on his timing, to not, not grab and Take the things that you want, but to wait on his timing, to trust in his goodness, but ultimately to be his person, to jump in with both feet, to be completely and wholeheartedly sold out to him. This morning, if you're struggling, we want to aid you in any way we can. If you would like to be baptized this morning, to have your sins washed away, that's the very first step into jumping in with both feet, but don't stop there. Keep on going. Keep looking for greater depths of spirituality. Tie into the body of Christ here. Become an active member, not just Sunday mornings, but all the time. Uh, and not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but throughout the week when you're studying your Bible, when you're praying, when you're being generous, all the time you're working for the kingdom. Don't let up and keep going. Jacob is a testament to the fact that God can use, that he enjoys using broken people who struggle with silly things. You look back on your life 20 years ago and you think, oh, the things I was worried about 20 years ago, most of the things were, were pretty, pretty silly and some of them have been, most of them have been resolved by this point. And I'm just not concerned about them anymore. Focus on 30 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, what are you going to be concerned about? The only thing you're going to be concerned about in 100 years from now will be where you were inside of Christ. Were you halfway in, waiting around in the shallow end, or were you completely devoted to Him? If we can help you in any way this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing.
Good morning, church family. Hope everyone is doing all right this morning. If you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning. If you can take a moment to file a visitor card in front of you and place it in the black box in the back, we'd love to have a record of your attendance with us this morning. A couple of announcements before we are dismissed. Um, we're needing teachers for this quarter. It started today. Um, we're needing a preschool uh, teacher for uh, Sunday and Wednesday, um, and also a Bible hour teacher. If you can help out with that, please see Jeremy or Connie. Also, this Wednesday is Stepping Stone Supper. Beef Stroganoff is on the menu. Uh, here at 5.30 for that. Uh, all the proceeds go to supporting uh, Rome's mission funds. Also, uh, March 10th, that's next Sunday, we'll, as Gary mentioned, we'll, there will be a pie bake-off. That is uh, the pie math pie uh, week, so there's, they're trying to be cute. I mean, you know, that's uh, Gary's life group. He's cute. And, uh, but uh, he's, uh, he's having a pie cook-off, uh, so we are needing pies and um, also tasters for that. Um, so please uh, come to support that, and that's uh, March 10th, next Sunday, after Sunday services. Um, also, in two weeks is the men's retreat, March 15th and 16th. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the foyer board, uh, men, so if you're going, so please sign up before you leave, so that way we know who's going to be there for the men's retreat. Uh, we're scheduled for some great speakers um, that day, so um, we'd love to have you uh, sign up for that and come to that. Also, Life Group 1, that's Mike Williams' Life Group, will be meeting um, on March 17th after Sunday services for lunch. And also, March 19th, Young at Heart, uh, we'll be heading to Cheddar's in Ashland, Kentucky. Love uh, for anybody to come to that. Um, everyone's welcome to. Also, um, if, uh, ladies, if you're planning on going to the ladies' retreat, in Gatlinburg, uh, Transformation. Um, in Gatlinburg, uh, please see Tanya Ward. Uh, the deposit is $50, and she needs that in by next Sunday. So if you're planning on going to uh, the ladies' retreat um, on September 6th and the 8th, um, please see Tanya. Um, also, this is really funny because I... Um, Ben Parker sent a thank you note, but it says at the top, I can see Tanya yelling at Ben because it says Robert Benjamin Parker, like he's in trouble, and he probably sits up straight up in his seat, you know, if, when you say it, you know, you know Rob, Robert Benjamin Parker, get here now. But um, uh, he sends a thank you card, says thank you so much for the Valentine's, Valentine's Day treats. It was very generous and thoughtful. Uh, ben with a heart. Ben, did you write that? You did? Okay. Um, also, another thank you uh, note. Uh, this is for Blake. Um, uh, our, my family would like to thank everybody for the donations for Blake going on his uh, mission trip. Um, he got enough funds for it. He's, he arrived there this evening. And um, well, last e he arrived last evening. And um, just keep Blake in your prayers that uh, he has a safe trip and, uh, and for uh, God to be made known where he's at and um, that he 
does what God wants him to do to spread God's word and to glorify him while he's there and keep all the other Harding students in your prayers as well at this time. Um, updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus in your prayers. Uh, he had some good news last week, so but continue to keep him in your prayers as he undergoes his test. Uh, Jim Martin will have the test done this week, so keep uh, Jim in your prayers as well. Um, so this is a very important test, so keep Jim Martin. It's good to see Jackie Hutchison with us this morning. Uh, continue to keep her in her prayers as she continues with her cancer treatments. And keep Jim Haney in your prayers as well as he uh, continues with his. And it's good to see him here with us this morning as well. Um, remember, continue, continue to keep Friday Simpson in your prayers and keep Roger Kaufman in your prayers. I heard he's not doing that well, uh, so continue to keep him in your prayers. And also, uh, prayer requests from Sandy Galloway. Merritt was tested for uh, celiac disease. Uh, uh, it's a gluten-free, uh, she's going to be put on a gluten-free diet, and re uh, results will be this week. So uh, keep um, Merritt in your prayers as well this week. And I think I got everything. Yeah. Well, that's all the announcements I have. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 247. Here we are, but straying pilgrims. First two, and then have an announcement. I'm sorry. Also, keep Chad Judge in your prayers. His passing of his way of uh, Glenn Judge, um, his father. Uh, so keep the Judge family in your prayers as well at this time. Yeah, number 247. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this time that we have to gather together to worship you and to be, to be thanking you for all the great things that you've done for us, to allow us to have the freedom to come here in, in worship, to give us the guidance of your word, to tell us how the best way for us is to live and how to serve you, Father, for all that you've given us and most especially your son Jesus, who is our hope and our salvation. 
Father, I thank you for the lesson of the life of Jacob that we got to learn about this morning, that how important it is, Lord, for us to wait on you and to um, follow in your guidance and not lean on our own passions and our own way. Father, give us the um, strength to stand um, in your place in, and be your, be your light to others as we might be your witnesses throughout our lives and everything that we do, that we might bring glory to you and be a witness for the message of salvation that is through Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.